Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Why was the first thing I thought was, oh, is he wiping his ass for? <laughs> <laughs> You don't suck because these people say you suck. You suck because Stone Cold said so. Degeneration X is on top of the world. Frustrated isn't a goddamn word for it. This is bullshit. Welcome everyone to 1997. Thank God it's Christmas. It's not anymore. It's January. Welcome. To the Cultaholic Classic Raw review as the other Cultaholic lads recover from AEW Revolution. We're recording this beforehand, but I reckon it's about 19 hours and you're hearing this while I'm in bed recovering from it. Uh, we are here via the Icapro Power DeLorean back in the halcyon days of now 1997 on the very precipice of attitude being sp- Punked out of the new generation era into parts unknown. Who be we? I be Fake Geordie, radio presenter without portfolio, Tom Campbell. And joining me on my almost endless odyssey with a capital odd to watch every episode of Raw for the beginning is the mulligan to my O'Hare, the Clive fuck of Cultaholic, the rambunctious Jackie Orlando. How you doing, Jackie? There was a, a little treat for our patron subscribers there because when you mentioned AEW Revolution, I remembered that I'm working it and suddenly had a thousand yards there. So... <laughs> Mate, you and I both, we're both asleep when when this goes out, so it's fine. Oh, fantastic. But they're they're so always the, long. The, the good shows, but they're very long. I've had to actually start doing them um, in my downs, downstairs, right next to, we've got like a downstairs toilet, just because there's fuck all gap between matches that I could literally stand up, take two steps, piss, and then be back. So... <laughs> I mean, I, I'm I'm all for a pay per view that is wall to wall bangers, but hmm. how are you, Tony? <laughs> give like, us give us some shite, Tony. <laughs> like, Tony, what you don't understand, mate, is that part of a pay per view is the shit matches in between, because yeah. that gives us all a chance to have a little piss, have a little calm down. But nope, just all thirty minute five stars. All right, I mean, it's it's a, it's a nice problem to have, but at the same time, fuck off. <laughs> oh, anyway, how are you? Uh, I am, I'm, I'm cromulent, thank you, Tom. How are you? I am also 
Cromulent. I mean, this was this will this won't be on the Patreon or anything. This was a nice little sneaky thing for me and V. So uh, we always like to show how the sausage is made. So when I was <laughs> prepping for this episode, I got a last minute call. They threw up the bat signal at BBC Radio Newcastle to uh, to, to to ask if anyone could cover a couple of days for a poorly presenter. So I went, yeah, go on then, get in there, let's go. But obviously, it interferes with my time spent watching old episodes of Monday Night Raw from the past. It completely chews into my very busy schedule. So what I did was I got in extra early on the Tuesday, on about three hours before I started the show, because the BBC, uh, the, the Newcastle offices, have these little solo working pods for like focused working. <laughs> They're like little panic rooms, essentially. And I've always wanted an excuse to use them. So I had my lovely little coffee, I had my lovely little porridge, and I sat in one of the panic rooms and watched Raw from 1997. And I love the idea of important people from, because it's near the BBC Look North offices as well, where I was sat. I love the idea of people from BBC Look North uh, just coming past and just seeing me watching Mankind versus Owen Hart and wondering what the <laughs> fuck's he doing with one of our pods, we need them. <laughs> But there'll, there'll be one person out of the team who'll look sheepishly left to right and be like, I was a big fan of Owen Hart, he was great, and then oh, he'll fuck yeah. off. Oh, yeah. I mean, I mean, because they had the door shut, no one came in and spoke. But I like to think that they could have had a little look in and just say, no, oh, it's an old episode of Raw from 1997. <laughs> I bet it's for that brilliant podcast that he does with Jackie Orlando. Of course, the, uh, the world-famous <laughs> shitbag, which is our podcast. <laughs> dare you this is at least no at least listened to by nine people and i love all nine of them with the full force of my heart <laughs> and there's a lot of force behind that heart as well. oh my god yeah. <laughs> right so should we just throw ourselves into the the job at hand getting ourselves poised for 1997 let i'm very excited tom i'm very excited uh, because it's 1997, and while the aim ring quality will go into the toilet, the ridiculous quality will go into the fucking stratosphere. It really fucking will. Now, in true in true New Year style, I'm just looking at my notes now, and I have written January 6th, 1996. <laughs> like like every good kid does when they go back to school after <laughs> after after uh, Christmas and New Year off. I've forgotten how to write. Uh... <laughs> I don't know how to write, Dad. Help me, Mother, and other parental units. So January 6th, 1997, uh, a massive year ahead in the world of wrestling. And, and uh, Jackie Orlando is going to go through Dave Meltzer's briefs uh, and and see what pulls out in just a moment from the Wrestling Observer for this week. But some boring world news headlines. Number one movie in America for the first week of 1997 is Michael. Oh, is that John Travolta as an angel? It is John Travolta as an okay. angel, sent to Earth to do various things, mend some broken hearts along the way. Uh, he plays; a, he's actually an archangel because he's a, he's an angel who's a bit of a dick. Uh, <laughs> I really enjoyed um, Michael. I don't know whether you got a chance to see it. No, I've never seen it. But as soon as he said it, I was like, "What the fuck's Michael?" And then I just could see like John Travolta's little tired face. I was like, oh, "Okay, it's that one." <laughs> John Travolta sizing up a bull in a field and going battle. <laughs> favourite moment from the film uh, mixed to negative reviews 36% <laughs> on Rotten Tomatoes number one though that's all that matters to the studio exactly exactly number one this week that's all that matters with a musical score by Randy Newman hey. he's got a friend in me <laughs> he's an angel corp Michael <laughs> oh he was the guy from Greece uh, <laughs> 
<laughs> Number one movie in the UK is Evita. Oh, okay, okay. Mm, don't cry for me, Argentina. The truth is, I never watched you. Uh, an American <laughs> musical historical film based on Evita Perón, the life of Eva Perón, rather, uh, which show, talks about her rise and fall, almost like a, a YouTube video, and her death at the age of 33. Uh, the music is composed by Tim Rice and Andrew Lloyd Webber. What a powerhouse that is. It inspired a music, which inspired a, a 1978 musical as well, did the concept album of the same name from 76. And it brings us to where we are today. Uh, Madonna starring as Eva Peron. Jonathan Price as Eva's husband, uh, Juan, and Antonio Banderas uh, in the cast as well. 71 million on its first day of initial release. Um, by the end of its first weekend, it had grossed a ridiculous amount of money and more to come. More theatres were added. Uh, and so basically, it expanded and, ex- oh, I've expanded, and expanded and overall uh, made a stupid amount of money and became a bit of a timeless film in the process. Mm. Never seen it, but it's it's always one of those that like it seems every five years, Madonna would go, hang on, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do another film. And one would be a big hit. And she'd be like, okay, right, sound, suddenly seeking Susan. Done. Evita, done. Time to make a load of shit films for the next couple of years. <laughs> you have to get the ratio right. Yeah. Have to balance it out. Uh, no change in the music world as we go into 97. Number one song in the US is Tony Braxton, Unbreak My Heart. Not mm-hmm. broken yet. And to become one, the song about safe sex from the Spice Girls. Not with, but from. Uh, it's number one in the UK. Uh, the video game Diablo was released this past weekend, uh, made by Blizzard North. Uh, an action role-playing game in which you fight through the fictional kingdom of Kandorus uh, in the mortal realm and you take on a hero battling to rid the world of Diablo, the Lord of Terror. Ever played Diablo? Never played Diablo. I've got friends who are big fans of it. I think, is it Diablo 2? That's the one that everyone loves? I think Diablo 3. 3? Possibly. Diablo 8? Um... <laughs> Diablo Harder. Yes, Diablo with a vengeance, Mr. Bond. Um, no of it, but that, that's about as far as I can go with it, I'm afraid. Well, too fast, too Diablo out in this particular year. <laughs> uh, on the 6th of January, so on this day of episode of Raw, Channel 4 closes down for the last time. Now, what right, that means yeah, yeah. is back in the day, you young whippersnappers, is that channels used to end at about midnight or 1am and you'd have the voice go, and that's the end of our programming here on Channel 4. We thank you for watching and we'll see you in the morning. Until then, good night. Uh, back in the day, BBC played the national anthem at the end of yeah. the day as proceedings as well. Uh, but they go 24 hours from today. Do you remember that feeling of staying up super late and being naughty and, and, and knowing you were up late because you had the end of Channel 4? <laughs> I'd, I'd never saw the actual end crossover. What would happen for me instead is I'd wake up in like the middle of the night and be like, ooh, let's see what's on telly. Nothing, nothing, uh, nothing, nothing. Okay, switch that off and go back to bed. Um, so I never saw the actual handover, but I have seen just literally a blank screen <laughs> and watched it for four hours. See, in, the, literally there was a point where there was nothing on TV, where there was nothing we could watch. The, uh, the power of the radio at that point lived on. Uh, <laughs> all you had, you bastards. This week in 1997, David Bowie performs his 50th birthday bash concert at Madison Square Garden, New York City, uh, that features guests like the Foo Fighters, Sonic Youth, Robert Smith of The Cure, 
Billy Corgan of the Smashing Pumpkins before he bought the National Wrestling Alliance, <laughs> Placebo and Lou Reed. Mm. What a lineup! I, I liked it, yeah, 90s Bowie. Uh, I'm surprised Nine Snails weren't involved because 90s, he was just like, you know what, Waja Waja, I like what these fellas are doing over here with keyboards and gazelles and that. Why don't you come be my friends, Waja Waja? Uh, <laughs> and he famously ended every sentence with Waja Waja. He, he did after the 80s, yeah. Before the 80s, he was all kind of like sat on top of a um, bookcase looking terrified because he hadn't slept for a week. And the 80s, he was just like, Do you know what, I've done all my cocaine, I'm just going to become a cockney bloke. <laughs> What a guy. What a guy. That's the boring real world. But what was happening in the wrestling world, Jackie Orlando? Well, Tom, you'll be pleased to know it's a very short issue of the Observer this week. It was the the 1996 Wrestling Observer Awards took up fucking so much real estate. Uh, So I'll just glance over them because, as we know, Dave is very thorough. And whether you like him as a... Uh, a source of news or not, you can't deny the fact that he's a great source as a historian. Mm. Um, so for the Observer Awards 1996, we'll go for the big ones and then a couple of surprise ones. Best wrestler, Dave's mate. It's Kate Kabashi, isn't it? Kate Kabashi. Ah, big kid too. Uh, Shawn Michaels was in second place. Mitsuharu Masawa was in third. Uh, most outstanding wrestler was Rey Mysterio Jr. Manami Toyota second. Kate Kabashi third. <laughs> Uh, best babyface was Shawn Michaels. Best heel was Steve Austin, who was also, I think, best on the mic as well. Best feud was WCW versus NWO. Best promotion was New Japan. Best booker was Paul Heyman. As you'd expect for 96. Interesting one. Most underrated wrestler, Leaf Cassidy. Okay. Mm. Go and on, worst wrestler, you love this one. It's Loch Ness. Oh, <laughs> giant haystacks getting a shoe in. God love him. I was so happy when we when he popped up oh so briefly on Nitro. Like, <laughs> fucking giant haystacks from World of Sport as Hulk Hogan's next big monster to crush. <laughs> and he's there going, I'm going to get you, Hogan. I just, I love the logistics of it, of him getting a phone call and be like, hello, Bischoff. Oh, fly me out from Doncaster, cock, see you later. <laughs> You're going to fly me out of Leeds, Bradford. I ain't going any further. <laughs> that weasel hat. Hat. <laughs> Iconic giant haystack promo that I feel like I watch on the regular. That <laughs> weasel hat. <laughs> it's got four teeth in his head. He's just... <laughs> He's the size of a fucking locker room. He's a big boy. <laughs> and he looks like, God bless him, he looks like he stinks. Oh, yeah. But it's 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 one of these... Um, I was talking about it with my mate the other day because, you know, the stupid discourse online about, you know, uh, body shaming Eddie Kingston. And if you were to say to me, okay, you've got to pick on one of these men for a fight, Giant Haystacks or Batista, I'd pick Batista because I'd be like, Batista will flatter me. Giant Haystacks would fucking kill me. Look at him. <laughs> Just a I feel big, like I, miserable I, bastard. I'd pick Haystacks because I feel like I could outrun him. <laughs> no, you're locked in a small room with him. <laughs> oh, hang on. You've, you've moved the goalposts there. Of course I have. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I just, I, just, I, I just want you to say you'd fight Batista. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Oh, I, oh, I batter Dave Batista. Yes, I don't, of don't course. Care who, don't care who gets, I don't care if that gets back to him or not. I'm not even bothered, mate. Yeah. My best friend Jeff Jarrett will protect me. 
course you will. The total non-stop arsehole. He is such a total non-stop arsehole. God bless him. So, uh, <laughs> a bit more from the Observer this week. We go to WWF News. Uh, and obviously the big thing, and we'll come up to it in Raw itself, it was the debut of Shotgun Saturday Night on January the 4th. Mm-hmm. Did you watch this? I did. I watched it as well. <laughs> but uh, before we before we give our thoughts on it, I don't know if you want to do it now or if you want to do it during the, the episode, but uh, here's what Dave said about it. The debut of Shock on Saturday night on January 4th was largely a flop content reaction-wise. The show, the show didn't air live in his market, but the reaction was 100% negative by those who called and faxed, and strongly negative for that matter. So in terms of the venue they ran, they ran the Mirage New York nightclub, drew 350 fans and made a six thousand dollar house but they had talked about three thousand capacity for the show they charged twenty dollars to get in the door for a risque comedic show that wasn't funny according to the reports we received (laughs) it was was kinky john fowler wasn't it (laughs) (laughs) mate if it had been kinky john fowler it'd have got five stars as far as i'm concerned (laughs) this audience is like ginger in my hand (laughs) (laughs) fucking kinky john would batter the flying nun (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Let me tell you this, brother love. <laughs> Todd Pegsu, <laughs> you can get out of here, you goatee bastard. <laughs> so apparently the plans for uh, the next episode of Shotgun, it's going to be at the All Star Cafe, it's going to be free admission, and because it's in a themed restaurant as opposed to a bar, the show will be less risque. Ah, boo. Mm. We will put put a pin in that because I'll do a little section where we where Tom watches Shotgun Saturday Night this week. Mm-hmm. So uh, away from Shotgun Saturday Night and to the live show tours. Uh, Live shows this week for the WWF have seen Steve Austin go over HBK in the main event. Oh. After, uh, actually, no, it's not even in the main event. I can't remember where on the card it was, but in my head, I'm just like, it's Steve Austin versus Shawn Michaels. That's clearly a main event. You'd have um, left the moment the three count went down. Yeah, of course. Maybe. I would have been like, yes, see you later. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, so the matches would be Austin versus HBK. Brett would run in to just have a big fight with Sean. Uh, Dave was at one show in Stockton, California and said, before the Michaels-Austin match, Austin was on the mic saying he was going to kick Sean's ass. Sean then pulled his... <laughs> in his words, pulled his turns and under trunks down all the way basically to his knees to show his ass to half the building. Unfortunately, we were on the other half of the building. That was the first time I've ever seen a wrestler expose himself, at least as part of the show, in more than 25 years ago into live wrestling. People on the half of the building that saw it were pretty stunned. <laughs> Old Meltzer clutching his pearls. Good heavens! <laughs> Is that a man's ass? <laughs> Is that a bottom? Don't look, the wife! <laughs> I bet thy gaze, the wife. <laughs> Last time I saw an arse that big, it was Kenny Kibazzi. Hey! I've seen an arsehole bigger than you. Uh, <laughs> on his rotary phone. <laughs> he had to go to a bank of phones to make that call in 1997. <laughs> I've got to read Kenny now. Kibazzi, wait ah. Oh, oh, I can't. Oh, I'm thinking of you. Sean dropped his trousers. I thought, oh. I was thinking of, thinking of arseholes. It's Gary Kabashi. I wonder how he's doing. Yeah, not bad. It's three in the morning, Dave. What, what, is that all you rang for? Yeah, just to make sure you know you're a cunt. Bye. T- in terms of people that um, <laughs> Dave wouldn't call a cunt, uh, also at the Stockton <laughs> WWF show was Ken Shamrock, and he was literally Ooh. mobbed by kids wanting autographs. Christ, do not do that to Ken Shamrock. He's known to fly off the handle. 
Yeah, he's a uh, he's 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 a a live wire of a man. We'll say that much. But sixteen kids were injured at a wrestling show in Stockton this weekend. <laughs> After lunatic and red undies just started swinging for the fences. <laughs> belly to belly in them all. <laughs> but uh, I wonder what Ken Shamrock was doing there. I'm sure we'll find out. Mm, exciting. Uh, also exciting, the Grim Twins were let go by the WWF. So that, that, I'm sure they'll be back soon enough. Fuck me. Oh, they, they just keep on bouncing around with the Grim Twins and they'll, they'll come back uh, with less hair but make more money. Yeah, bastards. And they'll just keep falling upwards, won't they? They really, really do. So we go from WWF to WCW. So this is an incident I was aware of beforehand, but the way Dave's written it up hasn't actually said when about it was. So I've just had to improvise here. WCW have ran some live dates. Don't know where. (laughs) One had a backstage altercation between Scott Hall and Jerry Sags. If you recall some time back, Hall gave Sags a concussion doing a nitro angle with some stiff chair shots. So, um... Sags told Hall before the match not to hit him in the back of the head since they were doing chair spots in the match. Sags threw a chair into the ring at Hall, who caught it and did the spot where he threw the chair back at Sags and apparently hit him in the back of the head pretty hard. Apparently, Sags snapped and ran to the ring and basically was pounding Scott Hall, bruising and bloodying up his face, particularly his mouth. They calmed things down and continued the match. Then they had a post-match argument backstage, although no blows were thrown. No word on any repercussions for the incident, but there was a lot of heat about it. And uh, Hall is pretty high on the food chain, so we'll have to see. Mm. Uh, Nasty's had heat with Hall and Nash some time back after the first time working with them. So, Yeah, yeah. we've seen the NWO beat up the Nasty Boys on the Classic Nitro review. Because the Nasties were sort of courted for a bit as NWO members, and it turned out to be a a big old prank lol. Yeah. Uh, Thank God, because that would have been hilarious. Nasty Boys joining the NWO. Uh, but I don't know whether he was injured during that, but there might be more to come from that. So I will keep tabs on any chair shots or any chairs thrown by Scott Hall towards yeah, Sags. Because I know there was there was two separate things while doing research for a project which isn't out yet, but you've probably already figured it out. And um, there was I know there was like an errant chair shot one time, and then I think with this one it turns out that. Sags thought that Hall was taking liberties with him, but it was Nash who accidentally potatoed him or something, and he just snapped. I just thought Hall's doing that again and started punching him in the head. Unless I've got my stories mixed up, I'm pretty sure that's what it is. But WCW in 96-97, you don't want to piss off Scott Hall and Kevin Nash because they'll get you fired. They will get you a little bit fired. Yeah. So uh, people who are in charge of firing, Eric Bischoff, Sonny Ono and Sullivan, Ed, he's just put Sullivan, Kevin Sullivan, flew to Honolulu after Nitro for the first of the scheduled quarterly meetings with New Japan. Apparently there was some heat last week regarding either Sasaki not willing to do the job on Nitro for Hugh Morris or New Japan not wanting him to. WCW wanted Sasaki to lose clean to the moonsault since Luger, Flair and Arn Anderson all lost clean to the power special during the tournament in September and when Madmet didn't happen. In Dave's words, the problem is that the result would make it to Japan and Sasaki is too high on the new Japan food chain to lose to Hugh Morris clean. So, Good argument, mate. Yeah, I mean, we know with hindsight from 2024 that the relationship stays okay at least, but... Uh, cracks being shown anyway yeah they, they'll 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 keep on for a little bit but there'll always be a little bit of tension there yeah going to new japan itself uh 
obviously it's it's January, so we've just had the January fourth it's show, and it was called the ninety seven Wrestling World in Tokyo Dome, and Ooh. drew a reported sixty two thousand five hundred fans, which is okay, isn't it? That's not too bad at all. <laughs> yeah. So wow. the highlights of it: uh, Super Liger debuted pinning Koji Kanemoto. Now I believe this is when you put Liger into a SNES. Yes, it is. It's a it's a 16-bit version of Liger. It is, yeah. Excellent. Yeah. And uh, for any of our North American friends out there, I say SNES. I don't say Super NES. I don't say Super... I sometimes say Super NES as a kid, but SNES, isn't it? It's SNES! Yeah. Get over yourselves. Um, but Super Liger debuted pinning Koji Kanemoto. And this is Chris Jericho in a mask. Um, and it was meant to be... I remember reading this in Chris Jericho's first book. He was meant to be the kind of, like... You know, the the negative version of Jushin Liger. So where Liger wears red and has like a bit of a smile on his mask and black hair. Super Liger is silver and has like devilish teeth and has blonde hair. Uh, but this is the only time this gimmick will ever run because Chris Jericho could see fuck all in the mask. Um, so yeah, so Chris Jericho worked the Tokyo Dome. Uh, elsewhere, Jushin Thunder Liger defeated Ultimo Dragon for the J-Crown. He's got all the belts, so that's nice. And Shinya Hashimoto retained the IWGP Heavyweight Championship over Ricky Choshu. And that's all the news. That's, that's a lovely... That's a that's, that's pre-Wrestle Kingdom, isn't it? Because obviously mm. his New Japan would, would go on to do Wrestle Kingdom as their big January show, but we're not quite there yet, are we? Yeah, I think the first one... Well, hang on. When was it? 17 years ago. I think the first one was New Japan versus All Japan, the first Wrestle Kingdom, if I'm not mistaken. And then after that, it just becomes... Let's just have loads of big lads hit each other. So... <laughs> Which is a great time had by all. Oh, yeah. It's a great time had by all. Anyway, two bonus sections before we get into Raw this week. Uh, we start with Tom and Jack watch the first episode of Shotgun Saturday Night Saturday this night. week. If you'd like to join us for this, by the way, uh, some clever cloggins uh, has uploaded all the episodes of Shotgun onto YouTube. Mm. So you can check them out on there because they're not on the network, but you can watch the full episodes of the early Shotguns on YouTube. Um, the Mirage Nightclub in New York City pays host to a WWF show like no other. Uh, Paul Heyman helped them choose the venue. Yeah, because imagine, imagine going into a nightclub at three, at 3 in the morning, Paul Heyman's there in his floor-length leather duster sweating his ass off. <laughs> it would certainly turn me off. Mm. Um, <laughs> the aesthetics of it. Now, honestly... To me, it felt like if WWF had bought ECW in the 90s and did WWE CW early. Yes. In terms of the aesthetic of it, it had a vibe of ECW. Yeah. In terms of the, the presentation of it, like the, the rabid nature of the show, the real like grittiness of it. It goes, it flies in the face of everything that WWF has been about to this point, which is making everything big and bombastic and, 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 and making superstars. They've done something really down and dirty and gritty. Is this in response to WCW? Is this in response to ECW or is it in response to both? I think both. Um, and it's, it's weird looking back at it as well. Cause if, you haven't seen it out there in audio land. Come to me, come to me. Um, it's a black ring canvas with yellow ropes. It's NXT before NXT, basically. Yeah. Um, but it just, like you said, I, I always go on about how I like it being a living organism. I like it when it's a bit rough around the edges. I loved how this looked. Absolutely loved it. 
and the atmosphere was brilliant. It, they clearly just went, let's get a load of New York Smarks in who are just going to probably be half pissed. Uh, let's give them just a good night of wrestling. But uh, this was, yeah, this was stark compared to the other WWF of 96, 97. This should have been what NWO Nitro looked like. Yes, 100%. Yeah. They'd have had me at hello if they'd gone to, welcome to NWO Monday Nitro, and it was this. This is what Tony Khan's Ring of Honor should look like. Yeah, very true. It's, yeah. As opposed to just sort of like, a, it's it's got WWE, CW vibes now, as yeah. Ring of Honor. It should look like this. It should be in sort of smaller, cheaper venues, uh, and they should just pack it out. It'd be great. Yeah. Uh, they are presenting a more edgy product for that reason. Todd Pettengill has grown a goatee. He <laughs> looks, yeah, he's gone from being, hey, I'm slick back, Todd Pettengill, to he's got a buzz cut and a goatee and he's wearing leather trousers. It's like, what happened here? He's been told he needs to be cool now. So yeah. he's like, oh, I guess this is cool. <laughs> Bye, mullet. <laughs> Presenting an edgier program, of course, the first tag team that you showcase is the Flying Nuns, mm. uh, which is a, a team uh, comprising of... Um, Oh, I thought I wrote down their names. Uh, Mother Angelica and Father Smucker. Sister Angelica and Mother Smucker. Sorry about that. Sister Angelica, that makes more sense. Sister Angelica and Mother Smucker. Uh, This is the Headbangers. It is. Smash and Thrasher. In a weird nun gimmick, they show them leaving the monastery. Uh, it's the big church in New York. They show mm. them leaving the church and they filmed it in one go. So it just shows them leaving the church. As if they've left from here to come to the wrestling. And you got the vibe that they just had one shot to do this, one take to do this and it was done. Because not only do you have loads of passers-by just looking at this bizarre image, but as they're walking out, there's an old woman with a shopping bag <laughs> stood really close to them, just staring as they walk past. <laughs> And she's my favourite. I'm sad she didn't manage them. Yeah, she should have. She would have. Oh, she would have given them a piece of her mind. I'm sure. <laughs> uh, but they beat the Godwins with help from Brother Love, mm. who who uh, declared not the the Flying Nuns, not the Flying Nuns, but the Sisters of Love. Mm. And uh, it was the crowd were hot for these um, because, like you said, it's really good crowd. I, I believe we got the first holy shit chant in WWF history. I believe it was the first holy shit chant in... Because uh, uh, Vince even goes, ha ha, holy something at least, ha ha. <laughs> um, I'm sure there was BWO chants, they were just rabid and it was... It, it felt quite... Yeah, it, it did feel kind of like comedy review because you've clearly got fake nuns with beards and fake boobs fighting what is ostensibly hillbilly gimmicks and... Odd, you know, nothing to write home about in, in the actual match, but it's different. Fuck me. It really is. I forgot to mention, of course, that it's Vince McMahon and Sonny it on is. commentary for this one. I, I like the addition of Sonny to this. Yeah. It gives it, you know, obviously Sonny being there does give it uh, that sex appeal. They managed to make her do the least sexy thing possible a bit later on, uh, which we will <laughs> talk about. Because it's kind of, bear in mind, this is a cool, edgy show, but it's Vince signing off on it. So there is only so far one can take such a thing. Uh, Goldust beats the Sultan uh, in singles competition. He does so as the Sultan puts him in the camel clutch. Marlena gets on the apron and with her back to the hard cam, 
whaps her jugs out to distract the sultan. <laughs> what happens? It's not me being a creep. She she whacks her jugs out. She gets gets her boobs out. For that. And Bob Backlund and the lasses. shits himself. He really like he. Bob Backlund is horrified at this at ringside. Horrified at this. Yeah, because uh, uh, he's a famous never nude as Bob Backlund. <laughs> uh, Crush battles Ahmed Johnson, but we don't really get much of the match because the Nation of Domination are like are just all over the ringside area mm. and they just turn this into uh, a battering of Ahmed Johnson, a real brutal brawl as well. Yeah, um, Crush fucking twat him between the eyes with a chair. <laughs> <laughs> that chair, oh, yeah, that chair shot. Was yeah. Fucking horrible. Yeah, I mean, we're still in the new gen here, Tom, aren't we? With yes. Ho- holy shit chance, uh, female nudity and a chair shot to the face by a man wearing all black. <laughs> we're there, damn it. Yeah. Um, we get a match between Mascarita Sagrada and Mini Vader. Oh, yes. Uh, it is uh, the... Uh, we see Mini Vader and Jim Cornette arriving earlier today. And... <laughs> Coming down the escalator, Mini Vader needs a piss. So Jim Cornette takes him to the urinals. Now, there's a great story behind this. Uh, I wonder whether you know the story behind this. No, I, I'm uh, I'm not aware. Right, so the plan was going to be that they shot this bit. And it's so organic and so rushed. That's why we had like the bin bag shopping lady earlier. Like, it's so lastminute.com all hoy together. So Jim Cornette and Mini Vader were going to come down the escalator. And Mini Vader would need a pee. The plan was going to be they go into the gents and the urinals would be so high that Cornette has to hold Mini Vader up in order for him to piss. However, they get into the urinals and the urinals are perfectly sized for Mini Vader. So it makes no (laughs) sense to do that, which is why it had that really weird ending where it's just Cornette just like, no, you go, here we are in the toilet, have a piss. (laughs) And there's like a a little kid running into shot, waving and everything. It's just... The energy around it is hilarious. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but never mind the energy of that, Tom. Is it time to see the least sexy thing of all time? It is indeed, because uh, it's during the opening of this match uh, that they bring Sonny into the ring uh, to serenade and dance. Well, she's dancing for Sagrada Jr. Because one of the biggest songs of the last year was Los Del Rios, the Macarena. Mm-hmm. So they get Sonny to do the Macarena while Todd Pettingill does an imp- does a freestyle version of the Macarena for Sagrada. And it is... I'm not a cool man, Atkins, at all. And I never pretend to be. But even I was fucking cooler on my saddest day than what they presented in Mirage Nightclub on this night. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it was Todd going, hey, Mascarita. But I watched this at 1.5 speed. So at first I was like, ooh, Todd Pattengill's got bars. And then I watched, <laughs> it, watched it at regular speed. I was like, oh, no, he's just being, you know, a bit ignorant towards Mexican people. Fantastic. Yep. And Sonny just did the Macarena. And mm. it's the least sexy dance you could have imagined from the woman who was there for the sex appeal. Well yeah. done. Well done, everybody. Uh, Sagrada wins the match. Yeah. Uh, and Mini Vader, uh, Jim Cornette chews out Mini Vader afterwards and they both end up uh, uh, giving giving him a pasting to end the show. 
they, they rip off his kecks and quick as a flash, Jim Cornette's running in his big undies and he runs to the back and that's that. You did miss one bit as well, which was quite cool during the... Um, we, we glossed over it with the Ahmed Johnson Oh, I thought... You know, I, might, I must have been mistaken because I thought we looped back to that, but clearly we don't, which is the, the Pearl River Plunge. Yeah. A fucking... Oh, yeah. So um, after the nation beat down Ahmed Johnson, um, Goldust and the Godwins come back out and we've got a four-on-four fight. Spills into the street. Ahmed Johnson, he's got D'Lo Brown and fucking gives him a pedal with a plunge on top of a car. And it's cool as balls. That is possibly the coolest visual from Shotgun Saturday mm. Night Episode 1. Ahmed, D- Pearl River plunging D'Lo on top of a car. It's it's but it's like you said about like when you'd seen clips of like the, the famous clip of Triple H and Undertaker on the escalator and seeing like Terry Funk and that. If you just went, oh, there's a new late night um, WWF show, and all you heard about it was, ah, oh, uh, Marlena got her boobs out and uh, Ahmed Johnson power bombed someone on a car in New York City, you'd be like, that sounds amazing. It does sound amazing. They're really good at creating little highlight moments, but they're just not good at everything else at this point. Yeah. Yeah. What are your thoughts on the first shotgun Saturday night? In terms of them trying something different and the vibe, it was kind of cool. Uh, in ring was nothing really to write home about. Like your first show and two of the matches were non finishes. Um, but like I said, they're trying something different, and it's it's yeah, it's 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 interesting. I think I'll say that it's a curio looking back on it, but and. I was reading something after this and like a, a blog post somewhere, someone saying WWF ideas that didn't last as long as they should. And they were saying that the problem for Shotgun Saturday night is at this stage, they're just trying to see if they can produce more risque content. And as we'll see, that'll just become raw. So Shotgun becomes irrelevant pretty soon. Very quickly. But we'll enjoy it as a, a curiosity for as long as we have. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Yes. 
Uh, Tom skims through superstars. Great two shows instead of just raw. We might as well go to two hours now. Fuck's sake. So Superstars took place the night before Raw. I like to watch Superstars because it gives you a bit more a well-rounded view of some of the stories that are playing out on Raw. Because mm-hmm. at this point, Raw is is kind of prime time, the main show for WWF. But it's only really recently been given that mantle. A lot of that storyline progression happened on Superstars, which is why I thought, well, they're on the network. I'll just I'll glance at them and I'll see if anything fun happened. And do you know what? This was a fun episode of Superstars. Hey. Doug Furness and Phil Lafon faced Cibernetico and Pieroth from off of Mexico. Fuck off. That sounds class. <laughs> In what feels like a rib on JR, Mil Mascaris is on commentary, sounding oh. bored and confused. Because <laughs> <laughs> JR did an interview with him last week and Vince very verbally <laughs> slammed it for being crap. Yeah. So I think this is punishment. Cibernetico, uh, the match ends. It's not a bad match. It's yeah. not a bad match. Cibernetico, uh, however, brings the match to an abrupt halt. He pulls the ref in front of Doug Furness as he's diving. This leads to the ref disqualifying Cibernetico uh, and Pieroth and giving the win to Furness and Lafon. Furness and Lafon leave celebrating. And um, Pieroth and Cibernetico get on the mic and scream in Mexican. Uh, apart from when they tell the crowd to sit down, dogs. Uh, but they are, they're sizing up Mil Mascaris. They're giving a bunch of shit to Mil Mascaris. And Mil is promising he'll settle it at the Royal Rumble. Well, they're, they're building. You can't blame them. Work is going to work. They are going to build. Uh, Flash Funk beats Salvatore Sincere. Flash Funk's brilliant, for fuck's sake. What's wrong with everybody? Yeah. Uh, the Sultan didn't get a pair of tits in his face. Uh, he got just Matt Hardy <laughs> instead. Uh, he batters Matt Hardy here. <laughs> Hunter Hearst Helmsley beats Freddie Joe Floyd in a non-title match. And The Undertaker in the main event. The Undertaker in the main event of Superstars goes one-on-one with The Goon! What a fucking curiosity this is! Right. So, match starts. Undertaker (laughs) turns his back on The Goon. The Goon starts walking towards Undertaker, drops his hockey stick, and beats him up. To the point that I went, why'd you drop your hockey stick? Yeah, fucking battering with a hockey stick. Yeah. Uh, However, him beating up The Undertaker is to no avail. Uh, Goon, however, does get some offense in on Taker. Wow. Uh, I know. Like some strikes for a little bit. At one point, The Undertaker sends the Goon into the corner and the ref ends up getting knocked out by this. And when the ref is down, the Goon then uses the hockey stick on The Undertaker. But Taker nozels it. We get a choke slam. We get a two stone. The goon loses to the Undertaker. Jim Cornette is on commentary for this, and he is running his mouth at the Undertaker on the house mic, taunting him by holding up body bags, promising that he's going to be putting one at the Rumble. Lights go out, bong, and Jim Cornette is still screaming, going, "Yeah, you're running away, Undertaker. Who's that you are? Hey, Vader's going to kick your ass. You're running away from me." Lights come back up. Undertaker's behind Jim Cornette. <laughs> He goozles Cornette, takes him to the ring, and hits him with a tombstone. What a lovely end to shot to superstars that was. Was it was it a worthwhile watch this week, Tom? This week it was, just for the weirdness of seeing Undertaker versus the Goon. The Goon! And and Steven Etico and Pieroth versus Furnace and Lafon. The Goon! And the Goon was there. <laughs> God loving. 
to Monday Night Raw we go, January oh. the 6th, 1997. <laughs> Finally, we can begin our journey into 1997. Known for such popular phrases as, no worry, Brett, I'll not screw you over. And, oh, what's that? A 10-year contract? Sounds cracking, Your Honour. And nothing <laughs> could go wrong. And don't forget the famous one. What did that little blonde bollock say about me on TV? <laughs> I'll pull his hair out. <laughs> that famous phrase from Shawn Michaels. <laughs> hey, Brett, you're shagging Sonny. <laughs> Keep it in your pants, Brett Thew. Yeah, you're my hero. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we get Vader and Brett hype for tonight. A very up close and HD Vader promises Brett will find out what time it is later on. Plus, we get some highlights from the first ever shotgun, which shows uh, Marlena getting her lads out and Ahmed Johnson, Pearl River plunging D'Lo Brown onto a car. Oh, it's all you get to show, isn't it? It's, it's all you need to show. Those are the only two important things from Shotgun. Yeah. That and Todd Pettingill's goatee. <laughs> How about this for an opening match? And one I don't remember seeing that often, unless I'm mm. very much mistaken. Owen Hart versus Mankind. Yeah, it's uh, an odd pairing. I never would have considered it, especially at this point when they're both heels. And they do it anyway. Mankind's kind of this weird sort of tweener type sometimes yeah like there's a he's a heel with sympathy yeah you kind of feel for him because he's a bit messed up in the head uh owen wastes no time he belly to bellies mankind <laughs> fucking right out of his shoes yeah goes for a sharpshooter but mankind escapes and rolls to the floor uh mankind is ripping and pulling at owen's face but owen knows how to fight back mankind style he starts biting his fingers to block the mandible claw yeah there was a good line from vince which is it's all you need in commentary no matter what the promotion is vince just says expect the ref to be lenient with the rules that's all you need Mm -hmm. sorted and it does explain why boy howdy is this ref lenient to the point that he's leaning horizontally i.e he's asleep The match goes off the rails. Uh, Mankind goes to hit Owen with the chair, but ends up changing his mind. But Owen cracks Mankind in the guts with the tag team title. Oh, yeah. And they get back into the ring like nothing happens. Mankind is on the defense until he counters an abdominal stretch. Uh, Owen cracks Mankind with an enziguri, and it sends Mankind to the outside. And there... We see more weaponry. We see is it it looked like, like a like a case of drinks. Yeah, like a weird little tray. Yeah, a weird little tray that he bops over the head of Owen Hart at one point. And there's a one man ECW chance and he tries his best, but no one picks up on it. <laughs> They're blessed them for having a go all the same. <laughs> Uh, Mankind ends up winning this. He dodges Owen's corner charge and finishes him off with a pulling pile driver. Yeah. To end a, a, a short but simple, uh, re- but really fun match. Yeah, um, it was a good match, a good chemistry. It's it's both met the other kind of halfway. You forget that Mick is a good wrestler as well as a brawler. And Owen Hart here was brawling, you know, at as well as he could wrestle, like you said, fucking hit him with belly to belly straight out the gate. Uh, I was surprised. Obviously, it's rumble season, so everything goes out the window. But I'm surprised that Mick got a fairly clean win over a champ. But here we yeah. are. Yeah, I guess Mankind's another one that they've probably got some big ideas for. Mm. I mean, I'm not Wait, surprised after after a hell of a feud with, with Undertaker that he had last year. Mm. He's clearly impressed the right people. Oh, yeah, definitely. And uh, as 97 goes on, oh, boy. Oh, howdy. 
Shawn Michaels and Jose Lothario are backstage with Peach Lothario, <laughs> Jose's son. Bless him. His hat's too big for his head. We'll have to tell uh, our good friend Aiden Gibbons about this because Aiden Gibbons has this weird rule that Pete is a horse's name. So if if we tell him that there's a fella in a Stetson called Pete, he'd be like, no, no, Pete is a horse's name. <laughs> he won't believe us if we tell him. He won't. They won't believe him. Uh, Jose is feeling much better after he suffered from a bout of camera in the face itis. Mm. He's determined to be in Sean's corner for the Royal Rumble. And Pete Lothario, his son, is there as well, as I say, in the aforementioned big cowboy hat. <laughs> Pete says a weird line. I've been assisting my dad in every way possible. <laughs> why? Why was the first thing I thought was, oh, is he wiping his ass for? <laughs> it's the way he put the emphasis of, I've been assisting my dad in every way possible. To be fair, though, Tom, that's your first thought and everything. I could be like, oh, i got a spare sausage roll here. Do you want one? You'd be like, oh, do I have to wipe your ass for it? And I'm like, no, no, you can just have it. <laughs> I, I mean, you've made a really valid point that yeah. I can't come back from. <laughs> uh, Pete throws down to Sid for the rumble. Says, "Are you? do you think you're leaving with the title? Nay, not with the Lotharios around. <laughs> Sean tells Sid he has upset the entire Lothario clan. Ooh. He used a camera at Survivor <laughs> Series. Not even the kitchen sink will work at the Royal Rumble. Sean reiterates that he promises, Your Honour, he will not interfere in the Bret Hart-Vader match later tonight. No. Um, yeah, in, in my notes I put, Peace is a bland but nice boy. <laughs> <laughs> he seems like a lovely boy. Yeah. He seems like a he seems like a good son. He would wipe his dad's ass. Wipe his dad's ass while wearing a lovely hat <laughs> and threatening to fight a six foot eight lunatic. <laughs> wipe my dad's ass and I'll kick your head in, Sid. <laughs> Nay. Uh, we get a recap of Shotgun Saturday night. We've talked about it. Uh, the mm. Ahmed beating up the nation. Pearl River plunging Delo. Uh, uh, Marlena getting a getting a Chebs out. Uh, the flying nuns debut and the and the brother love assist for father smucker sorry mother smucker and sister angelica i i, I am glad that i watched the uh, shotgun at uh, 1.5 speed because even at that speed brother love's promo still fucking dragged on Jesus <laughs> but he loves you mm. <laughs> There's something okay. I, I know, like I know, Bruce Pritchard works for WWE. But yeah. I think there's a, there's a quiet general belief that should things change and should he move on from WWE in whatever capacity, then the excitement is those something to wrestle with episodes are going to be really good again. See, I never listened to something to wrestle with. I heard bit, big things about it, and when I checked it out for the first time, it was while he was back at WWE. So every answer was just, I don't remember, I don't recall, I'm not at liberty to say. I was like, ah, I can't be bothered with this. But I've heard that when he doesn't give a fuck, it's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think some of the earlier episodes are really, really good. Really, really good. Uh, Diesel and Razor Ramon are taking on Doug Furness and Phil LaFon. Honky Tonk Man is on commentary for this one. Oh, hello. Hello, Wayne. (laughs) A big Wayne Ferris. (laughs) <laughs> who has been revealed as DLC for 2K24. Oh. You lucky thing. He is in, and I'm not making this up, the Post Malone and Friends pack. Of course, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Along with the Headbangers. Hey. It's basically the Shotgun Saturday Night pack. You, you, we were saying before, imagine going into a nightclub and seeing Paul Heyman. Imagine going into a nightclub and seeing Post Malone, the Headbangers, and fucking Honky Tonk Man. <laughs> 
<laughs> you turn and leave. <laughs> I turn and go straight in for more. <laughs> you do a little 360 and be like, cool move. <laughs> Jerry Lawler gives us something topical. Um, Harry Helmsley died over the weekend. He was the American real estate billionaire mm. uh, that's, whose company owned the Empire State Building, among other New York, uh, among a series of New York hotels. That's a, it's a mad claim, that isn't it? I'm just like, oh, like I've got, I have some nice plants and a cat, and he's just like, yeah, I've got the Empire State Building. It's like, well, oh, fuck me, I guess. Then yeah, just gonna put, just gonna put the rent up for a laugh. <laughs> Dickhead. <laughs> Diesel and Razor isolate Doug Furness until he drop kicks Diesel into the turnbuckle. I should mention that the reason that Jerry Lawler mentioned Harry Helmsley, just so he'd get the line in and go, well, Hunter's expecting a windfall. Mm. That, that was mm. reason, but he wasn't just being weird. Yeah. He is normally weird. Uh, <laughs> Phil Lafon, a house of fire, almost turns the tide uh, for Doug Furness, who gets a shoe in. Uh, the match completely breaks down. It ends up with Furness and Lafon double clotheslining Diesel over the top and then winning with a combo move. It's a diving clothesline. Yeah. And then I want to say either a sunset flip or an O'Connor roll off the back of that. Jack Atkins with your almanac of graps, your grapmanac. What would you have said that was? It felt like a sunset flip, but it also didn't feel like a sunset flip. Is it a jackknife pin? It could be a jackknife pin. Yeah, because it's the actual offensive mood move. It's part heart attack, part doomsday device. But then, like you said, just into the into a kind of pinning predicament. Because what happens is, you've got Lafon holding the legs mm. and Furness coming off the top with a clothesline. And then, so, fake Diesel goes down, but he falls down over Furness's knees, who's holding yeah. his legs, and then he rolls forward into a pin. And now you've said it, I think it's a jackknife pin. Mm. It's Thanks. A, it's, it's, a, Thanks. It, it's, it's a weird offensive move. I think it looks cool. Hello, Dave. Oh. Your days are numbered, cunt. <laughs> Get Kabashi on him immediately. <laughs> time's but, up. Plans have changed. What did you think of this match? I enjoyed it. I thought. Yeah. I, th- I think. I think Furness and Lafon are very capable wrestlers. Mm. Do they excite me as wrestlers? No. No. Sorry. Like that. It's. It, it feels like they should have gone to WCW because. It's more gimmicky in the WWF at this moment in time, whereas mm. WCW, you can just kind of get on and being a good wrestler and then figure out the rest later. They need something. They need a manager. They need an actual gimmick or something. Because like you said, very good in the ring. Uh, first half of this match, it was a bit boring, but when it got to like the, the vinegar strokes at the end, as we like to say, it really picked up. But uh, all I'm saying is Glenn Jacobs, fuck me, the size of him. He's a big boy, and he he looks he looked amazing. And he, Jerry Lawler and Vince McMahon were just like, "Oh, look at that big muscly boy! Isn't he great?" Yeah, Razor was there too, but look at Diesel! Oh, fucking hell! Oh, look at the tonnage! Look at the mass! Uh, but Honky Top Man has said, whilst they are very good, uh, he's not picking Fake Diesel and Fake Razor to be his clients uh, as he's looking for the next greatest Intercontinental Champion of all time. So very he good. shot down Hunter Hearst Helmsley, Mark Mero, Steve Austin. Fake Diesel, fake Razor, Bret Hart at this point as well. So I presume who he's going to get is going to be brilliant. It will be the best wrestler of all time, Tom. Clearly the best wrestler of all time. If he shot down all those brilliant people. Yeah. We get a recap of the end of last week's Raw, which had Marlena getting knocked down, courtesy of Helmsley, Goldust and some... some 
chaos at the top of the ramp on Raw, and then we get another shot of Marlena getting her top bollocks out on Shotgun Saturday Night. <laughs> this is clearly the best part of the show, not even lying. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, next week, it's Mark Barrow and Goldust versus Lawler and Hunter. Hmm. Tag team shenanigans. Bret Hart is backstage. He starts running down Shawn Michaels, as was the style at the time, <laughs> telling him to stay out of his way later on. And just as Bret starts talking about Vader, Sid's music hits, and Bret looks livid that he's been cut off here. Now, for a long time, I've been thinking, Bret just is crap at timing and and stuff. So he's just a victim of being on a live program. But the more I'm seeing it, the more I think this actually might be a masterfully woven story, which is just yeah. designed to make Bret Hart look like a man at a time by having people cut him off constantly and just constantly being pushed over for the sake of somebody else and his mic not working at all this stuff. I really want to believe this is a really cleverly woven story. But unfortunately, with the players involved, I think it's more of a happy accident, but it's mm. working all the same. If it works, it works, Tom. If it works, it works. It is working, I think. He's yeah. cut off because Sid's doing an interview. Oh, God. So, Jim Ross is conducting it and his music is playing over the top of it. This is a great <laughs> trope. I'm so glad we keep doing it. No, don't forget the, the rest of the trope as well. Sid's not wrestling tonight, but he's in full gear and he's wet. Of course, <laughs> soaked wet. Title on, just his pants and his boots. <laughs> Sid, asks, Sid is asked by JR if he's intimidated by Shawn Michaels and the Lothario family. And Sid says he is intimidated by nothing. He says the ring is the dying field. And... <laughs> I thought I'd misheard that because I've, I've written it. He's like, he calls the ring a dying field. No, I the dying he, field. He meant killing field, but no, it's a dying field. Someone salted the earth. No crops will grow. His family will go hungry. Basically, it's a fallow year for Sid. <laughs> I watch this. I watch Raw with the subtitles on, just in case I miss any little nuggets on commentary as I go. <laughs> and the and he says, uh, he says like in he says this is a dying field. Inside here, you have to kick or take a kick in, and all that. But the the subtitles say in Syria, so I had to. What I I kind of was half watching at this point, and I saw Sid, what I believe, talking about Syria. I was like, he's not talking about Syria. It turns out it's a mistake on the subtitles. In case you watch it with subtitles on, he's not talking about Syria, and he is definitely saying dying field though. Yeah, yeah. Um, the day I was born, I was born the man. Wow, poor Mrs. Psycho. <laughs> Congratulations, it's a man. <laughs> She's like, all right, we'll call it Sydney. I, I, I hear he came out soaking wet in his trunks <laughs> with the title belt on. Laughing. <laughs> Just laughing <laughs> maniacally. <laughs> He's going into San Antonio with the odds against him, knowing he'll walk out the man regardless. I am the master and the ruler of the world, etc. Mm. What did you reckon, Sid, here? <laughs> it's, it's the usual... It was shite, but because it's Sid, it's so entertaining, and I loved it. Like he's saying, "I will walk in the man," and then he stops and does his like laughing face, and then continues, "And I will walk out the man." I still really like his catchphrase. He's still really over. They're doing something different with his presentation in interviews. What he's saying is crap, but it's entertaining crap. <laughs> 
<laughs> it is entertaining crap. God bless him. Mm. Shawn Michaels has interrupted. Uh, he's got Jose Lotharia with him. Shawn's doing comms on the next match. He basically ignores Sid and he does a strip tease on the announce table while Sid laughs like a mentalist in the ring. He starts waving at him like an excited toddler, like, yeah. hello. <laughs> Hello, Sean! Sean Michaels, who's dressed like a cartoon drug dealer. He's got on a black trench coat, <laughs> jeans, sunglasses, and long hair. And he's trying to take his dick out. It's like, what the f- <laughs> It's a look. It's mental. The story has been uh, that Sid hasn't apologised for giving Jose Lothario a case of camera-to-the-head-itis. Yes. And Sid says, all right, I apologise. Not for what I did, but for what I'm going to do to you at the Royal Rumble. Classic heel line. I He's don't just, mind it. I didn't mind it either. It's good here. And Sid yeah. wanders off. Uh, we come back for our main event of the evening. It is Bret Hart versus Vader. Ooh. We get a recap of Cornette getting tombstoned by The Undertaker on Superstars uh, mm-hmm. before we get into it. And this match is a scrap from the off. They well, both fight outside and Vader gives Bret a pummeling. Yeah, before he even kicks off, Vince says it's all about attitude and you'll find it here in the WWF. And here's a man with bad attitude, Vader. And then, like you said, they're just teeing off. See, I heard him say, it's all about the new generation. It's all about the new generation. Here's some woman's tits. Yep. Hey, look at that woman showing her new generation. (laughs) That's what I heard, Your Honour. Austin is watching as we go to break and Vince nearly creams his kecks at this. <laughs> ah, who's Austin? Like, hey, you book the show. You know he's here. <laughs> Where am I? <laughs> Vince, you, you hired him. To, I mean, this is the same the same guy who walked into a creative meeting and said, who the fuck hired Raven? So actually, I can't imagine that he forgot that Austin was there. Yeah, and the man who ate burritos every day and didn't have a fucking clue what a burrito was because he thought they were just called meat wraps. God, he's a monster, allegedly. (laughs) Brett gets the knees up on a moonsault from Vader that just gets him back into the fight. But before that, Vader just fucking clattered Brett into the break. He does a Brett's rope splash onto Brett for a two. Imagine Mm. doing a, a splash off Brett's own rope onto Brett. Would that be more powerful or less powerful? Oh, I don't know. It's like when The Rock would hit Austin with a stunner. It would be powerful enough, but not as quite... Not quite as good as, you know, the uh, the on-brand version. Before before we talk about that moonsault, though, I have a bone to pick with Earl fucking Hebner. <laughs> no, your favourite referee. Oh, my favourite referee. <laughs> who, let's say, as a referee, he's doing his job well. In kayfabe, though, he's the shittest ref ever. Because mm-hmm. Vader's going for the for the um, fucking the Vader bomb. And Earl's fine with that. Vader goes to the top rope. Earl gets on the apron and gets in his face. He's like, get down right now and gives the advantage to Bret Hart. And I'm just like, fuck off, Earl. Fuck off. He's talking to Vader like I talk to Pablo, my cat, when he jumps on the oven. <laughs> oh, get down. Oh, you, oh, you, you, oh, you get little, down, you little prick. You little tinker. <laughs> Stop trying to cook yourself. You'll have no yogurt for a week, you little shit. <laughs> but Dad, I like yogurt. Mm. Well, there's none of it. This, this gravy train's empty. Oh, I like gravy too, though, so that's fine. <laughs> uh, yeah, Earl, Earl's... This is a, and we've talked about this a few times, but I think it's a really good point that you bring up that I think bears repeating from the Jack Atkins School of Wrestling Thoughts and Editorial. Earl Hebner is a shit referee in kayfabe. Yeah. Always getting ter- injured, always missing key moments. Always interfering, putting his hands on talent, yeah. showing bias. 
Yeah. Yeah. He's worse than Nick Patrick. He is, but at least Nick Patrick was, you know, clearly on the take. <laughs> there is that. <laughs> Very true. Yeah. Uh, Brett crossbodies Vader, and they both fall to the outside of the Ooh. ring. Yeah. They continue fighting outside, and then Sid turns up, and it looks like he's going to do a run-in, and then he looks straight into my soul, i.e. straight down the lens of the camera, and goes, come on, and, like, takes the cameraman for a walk. <laughs> It, it, it was like the Batista Ric Flair angle, um, but yeah. better than the Batista Ric Flair angle. As he's doing that and he's, you know, <laughs> sexing you with his eyes, in the background you just see Steve Austin fucking pelted to the ring. And the Steve Austin bit is fabulous because there's so much going on here. Sid's kidnapped a, a cameraman. Mm. The ref is arguing with Vader. And then if you just blink and you'll miss it, look in the distance, you know, you've got to drink it all in. Uh, you know, a bit like a Manet painting. You've got to drink it all in. Because you, in the distance, you can see Steve Austin hitting a stunner on Bret Hart. Fucking, ah, oh, it was brilliant. I loved it. It was very rare do you see the stunner outside the ring, unless yeah. you're playing one of the 2K games. Oh, definitely, yeah. It was nice to see. Uh, this led to Vader giving him a bloody old Vader bomb back in the ring and picking up a win over Bret Hart. Yeah. Massive win for the guy who wasn't good enough to headline his own pay-per-view two weeks ago. And we need to mention as well, Sean was on commentary for this and he was fucking tearing Bret Hart a new one. He was uh, saying that Bret Hart doesn't know how to dress, which is true. Bret Hart's a terrible dresser, but so sure, Michaels, have you seen the state of the man? Um, (laughs) But... He did put over Vader at one point really well because Vince McMahon was saying, oh, Bret Hart needs this win. And Sean's like, well, yeah, he doesn't need a loss, does he? He's like, yeah, but the momentum, Bret Hart needs the momentum going into the Royal Rumble. And Sean's like, yep, so does Vader. Vader's massive. He could win it too. And I was like, fair fucks to you, Sean. No, actually, no, I love Sean, uh, but I will argue that. He's not putting over Vader. He's just shitting on Bret. True. It's it's a backhanded compliment. It's one of them where, like... Sean famously didn't want to work with Vader. Yeah. So all of a sudden, why is Vader all of a sudden all of a sudden Sean's favorite person? Is it because he's beating the shit out of Brett? Oh, more yeah. than likely. Yeah, his, his motives for doing it were completely selfish and prick-like. But I, I, I like the fact he was at least slightly professional in trying to get someone else over. He was attempting to, in a backhand way, put Vader over. For yeah. That. He can applaud yeah. him. So yeah. Long. Uh, let's go backstage. Sid has that cameraman. And he's taken him into a locker room. And he's there holding by the throat. Poor old Pete. I'll do anything for my dad, including wipe his ass, Lothario. And Sid then, then puts Pete in position, power bombs him onto the table. The fucking table doesn't break. Ooh, yeah, it was like a proper nice. decorator's table as well. It was covered in paint, old butties. It looked rough. Jeez, a nine-year-old Matthew Gregg goes, oh, I'd be a good idea for a future bit, pal. Uh, yeah. ah, let me tell you something, pal. I've had a vision of something called YouTube. Uh, <laughs> My God, if Matthew had invented YouTube, he wouldn't hang out with the likes of us. No, definitely not. He, actually, he probably still would. I think the money would have got the better of him by now. Talking of the money getting better of him, not only did Sid hit a powerbomb on Pete, he had the WWF title on the entire time. Of he did. <laughs> I like that he wears it. I, I'm trying to think. I was thinking when I saw that, 
of wrestlers that just always wore the belts. And there's one that springs to mind, and it's a really deep cut. It's Rock Superstar Chaos from XPW. I think he was XPW TV champion, and he wore the belt through his entire matches. Oh, into that. I know, right? It's great. Yeah. And I and I want it, I want Sid just to wear the belt all the time. <laughs> but he's got no trousers to hold up, Tom, so it doesn't mean anything. <laughs> there is that. Mm. Uh, poor Pete, he has been powerbombed onto a, onto a painter's table. It hasn't broken, but his fragile body may have done. Uh, after the break, Sean Michaels is backstage with Savio Vega and Aldo Montoya, head of medical, and they are <laughs> Aldo, sat- Mont- Aldo Montoya in street clothes and a mask. <laughs> One must always protect his identity. He doesn't want anyone to know that he's just incredible. He's not Portuguese. <laughs> no one knows that I'm not a medical expert. But they all, but they do that classic thing that they do where they just stand around him and just go, where's the doctor? Where's the doctor? Where's the... One of you three dickheads, go and get a doctor. One of Seriously. four. Because I had to rewatch this to realise Bart Gunn's there as well. Poor oh, Bart Gunn's. He's so insignificant. I thought he was a medic at first. I've written down that a medic turns up. It's Bart Gunn. Fucking Bart Gunn. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, Bart. What a you way, what a massive disrespect of Bartholomew Gunn. A genuinely hard man. He is the hardest of men. I feel bad now getting that yeah. wrong. Bless him. So that was Raw. First Raw of 1997. We've made it. Yeah. Uh, what did you think of the main event? I enjoyed it. Mm. This it does feel like the style is changing. Yeah, it was even Bret Hart is getting in there now. It's fucking chaos as well. Yeah, um, I like it. I, I, I it's it's a weird one because the the show as a whole, I thought it was a good raw. It was focused, uh, even though Owen Mankind was out of nowhere. Um, but the main event scene is absolutely electric because you got Vader who's building up for a match with Undertaker, getting a win over Bret Hart, who's building up for a Royal Rumble with a fight with Steve Austin and maybe Shawn Michaels, but Shawn Michaels has got to fight Sid, but Sid's beaten Bret, and Bret has beaten as just... Wheels in wheels, sir. Wheels in wheels. It's a trifle of... It's a man trifle. That's what it is. A mifle. Mm. Starring John Travolta, number one, the US box office in January 1997. (laughs) A man trifle. Uh, what a way to start 1997. It's going to be a fun year, baby. Oh, fuck yeah. We're going to have some fun to be had. Anything you want to plug? Uh, 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 the great work done by all of us here at Cultaholic. Uh, <laughs> Very diplomatic answer. What about yourself, Tom? Been working uh, on anything nice. Well, thank you for staying up late with us, uh, with myself and Fraser Porter and mm-hmm. Jack Atkins via Cultaholic.com for AEW Revolution. What a long show it was. Probably was. We're recording this beforehand, so I'm guessing. I assume everything's fine. Mm. Otherwise, for the latest wrestling news throughout the day, you can check out Cultaholic.com. He is at Brat Atkins on Twitter. I'm at Tom Campbell on Twitter. Together, right? Cultaholic on Twitter. Don't forget to join us. Um, another week without Bulldog. I know. It's fucking... It's a tr- it's a just a shit existence. That's why this podcast this week's only twenty five minutes long. <laughs> no bulldog, no peace. Emma Sagrada, love you, bye. <laughs> Imagine bulldog on shotgun Saturday night coming to the ring with a pint. <laughs> <laughs> Is it a wrestling show? Oh, oh well, yeah, there's pints for you then, yeah. Now what's happened is now in true bulldog style. In true bulldog style. What's happened is 
Bulldog's gone, oh, oh, Vince, I can't make it to Shotgun. Oh, I'm poorly. Oh, I'm poorly. <laughs> Aha, got out of that. Right, we're off to Mirage Nightclub tonight in New York for a do. <laughs> and then he gets there and goes, oh, shit, Rose here. And Vince's like, oh, nice of you to be here, Davey. He's like, yes, I am here for work. <laughs> Can I have a butty, please? I'm hungry. <laughs> do you mean you don't do butties? <laughs> Said this is a working man's club. I've come here for stripper and a and a, and a raffle. <laughs> they can. And we wish you a. Very good night here from all your friends at the Cultaholic Classic Raw Review. It's 1am. Sleep tight tonight. Absolutely zero lag this week. Brilliant, wasn't it? Zero. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. For all the wrestling headlines in just 10 minutes, search Cultaholic Wrestling News on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. (laughs) 